0: Bam. Good morning. It's morning office hours. I'm Attorney Vince Davis. I'm licensed to practice here in California, and I'm an expert at CPS cases. This morning, we're going to talk about Welfare and Institutions Code Section 366.26n as in Nancy. If you want to read it, Google 366.26n, uh, and you and it will come up this welfare and institutions code is used by parents by families and by foster parents to make sure that a child is not removed from them and given to someone else like a strange foster parent let me give you an example back in the day there was always an argument about who would decide where the child would remain pending the permanent placement process And a lot of times a child was placed with, say, a friendly uh, relative or um, a family friend or even a foster parent, and the social worker would decide that, well, I want to move the child and ends up moving the child to some other placement. So there was a big thing in California about who gets to make that decision, the juvenile judge or the social worker. And the rule that came down from some appellate cases was that the social worker would have discretion to decide where the child was placed. However, that discretion wasn't unfettered, and if it was unreasonable, the judge could change it. Now, a lot of social workers take the position that that's the rule throughout the case, and it's not. Um, Before the 366.26 hearing, Uh, The judge is the final decision-maker of all of where the child can be placed. Now, the legislature in California decided, you know, we're going to have to make a rule and try to change this so that um, there won't be so many court battles about the placement of a child after the 366.26 hearing. And they decided and came up with 366.26 in, which allows caretakers, and remember, if you have a friendly relative where your child is placed, you don't want this child moved um, because they're going to facilitate, perhaps, visitation and the relationship, even if the recommendation goes through for adoption. So now the caretaker has to be notified and given the opportunity to come to court to prove to the judge that the child should not be removed. I get a lot of calls where the social worker says we're moving the child or has moved the child and no one gave them notice of 366.26N. So let me tell you a quick story about how powerful this statute is. I did a case once where uh, the child was with, uh, I believe they were relatives, and the social worker wanted to move the child to place the child in another foster home. we filed the request for hearing, uh, and in that case, the social worker hadn't notified my clients. That My clients just called me and said, hey, is there anything we can do? And I said, yeah, there is. You can have a hearing pursuant to 366.26 N, In as a Nancy. So we filed the paperwork. The court gave us the hearing, and the social worker's attorney, the social worker, and the minor's attorney were all against... Uh, Me and my client, they wanted the child moved, even though the child had lived there um, for, I think it was four or five years. Basically, the only parents the the child knew uh, for the last four or five years. We had the hearing, and um, an interesting thing happened during the hearing. While I was cross-examining the social worker, because my clients had told me, hey, a lot of the stuff in the report about us is false. And, and this applies to any case. So watch this. I'm cross examining the social worker. And she gives me an answer. And she says, uh, blah, blah, blah. And I said to her, I said, Well, who was around? When you said, blah, blah, blah? Did anybody witness this? And she said, Yeah, she named two people, two co workers. At the time, I just had this gut level feeling that she was lying, but there was nothing I could do to prove it. Well, we finished the case. We finished the witnesses. We did closing arguments. And, you know, during this entire trial, the judge is taking copious notes. And um, the judge says, hey, I'm going to take the weekend to decide. I'll let you know by mail my decision. Now I'm thinking, well, I've lost this case. All right. I've I've lost. Well, on Monday or Tuesday of the next week, the judge's clerk calls me up and says, hey, the judge wants to have a meeting with you and the other two attorneys on the case. And I'm thinking, he does you know, I'm thinking to myself, he doesn't have, we don't have to have a meeting. You can just send me the decision. You know, I don't need to hear in person, um, you know, that I've lost this case. But anyway, I go down. And the judge, we go in the judge's chambers and he says, look, counsel, I have a problem with this case. And he says, the problem is, is that I think that the social worker is lying about some key facts. And I'm thinking, that's what I'm thinking. He says, but I'm gonna give the social worker and the county the opportunity to call those two witnesses that Mr. Davis elicited on cross-examination and I want to see if they back up their story. So he says to all counsel, he says, well, do you, do you guys agree to this? And I'm like, no, Judge, we you know, you've already found that she's not telling the truth. We've closed off the case. We've stopped witnesses. We've given our closing arguments. Please make a decision, you know, and I'm thinking based on the fact that you think the social worker is lying. Well, it didn't work, he allowed the two workers to come in and I thought, well, those workers will come in and testify, you know, that the social worker was telling the truth. Anyway, about a week goes by, we have the continued trial and the two social workers come in. And he says to me, Mr. Davis, they're your witnesses. And I'm thinking, they're not my witnesses, you already decided the social worker is lying. Why would I and why in the world would I try to call a witness that's going to make you change your mind? Anyway, after discussion, I had to call the witness and question the witness first. And I asked the witness point blank Were you there when social worker Miss XYZ said blah, blah, blah? And she didn't answer the question. She went off on some tangent. And I listened to her, and I just watched her, and the judge was listening to her and watching her. And then I asked her the question again. She goes off on another tangent. And I could see the judge, it appeared to me that he was getting a little irritated with the social worker because she wouldn't answer my question. Finally, I said, Judge, I'd like to get an order from you directing the witness to answer my question. She's not answering it. There was objection and a lot of argument from the social worker's attorney and the minor's attorney, who was against me. And the judge said, she's not answering his question. I, Ma'am, I direct you to answer his question. And so I asked it a third time, were you there when social worker said XYZ? And she took a, like, she sat back and like, you know, it was, well, there's nothing else I can do. I have to tell the truth. No, I wasn't there. It never happened. Never happened. Then what happens is I call the second worker. And before I can get the second worker on the stand and sworn in, he says, it's not true. It never happened. (laughs) And the judge says, wait a minute, let Mr. Davis ask you the question. So, I asked the question. He says, no, it's not true. That never happened. And so I said, well, she's not being honest with us. If she told us it did, he said, absolutely. Something to that effect. Anyway, the judge made the decision, of course, ruled in our favor, because now we have a social worker who's not telling the truth on the witness stand. Excuse me. And it's confirmed by two, not one, but two of her colleagues. We win. Now, if you tell a lie on the stand, that's called a perjury, okay? You can be criminally prosecuted for that. Do you think the social worker was criminally prosecuted for lying to the judge? Nope. Not only that, do you think she lost her job? Nope. Not only that, she insisted on staying on the case to finish it up. I was outraged by this and, um, you know, the case closed before I could take any effective action or get any effective results. My clients rode, you know, happily into the sunset. <clears throat> but here's an interesting thing that happened. On that day, when the two social workers confirmed that the one social worker was not telling the truth, we're walking out of the building kind of celebrating you know we won a case and as i walk out the door the county council the social workers attorney comes running out of the gate out of the door vince 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 can i talk to you i said sure so you know i'm trying to be gracious and 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 be professional and i we step to the side and he goes look he goes i know you're going to sue these people but I want you to know that I didn't have anything to do with this." I said, okay, and uh, I appreciate it. We shook hands and, you know, we left. The moral of the story is when you have the opportunity to cross-examine a social worker about her report, be it a 366.26 in-hearing, be it a jurisdictional hearing, be it a dispositional hearing, be it a six-month hearing, always, in my opinion, unless, you know, the social is telling the truth and you know that it's the truth, cross-examine the social worker. A lot of times you're going to get results that you didn't know you were going to get. The problem is, is that many of you do not cross examine the social worker. You know, I was in a court, I'm not on a courtroom, but on a Zoom call and I watched them have a trial <clears throat> where the attorneys just argued and then the social worker won, kids remained out of the home. But my thinking is, is that Any time you have an argument 99% of the time and you don't present any evidence on your side, you're going to lose. You're going to lose just legally. The reason is, is because social worker reports are considered evidence. They're admitted um, at the beginning of every case. So there you start with evidence against you. Now, if you argue, excuse me, if your attorney just argues by law in California, attorney arguments are not evidence so what happens is is you have the social worker report on one side and then you have your attorneys argument on the other and there's no evidence for you none whatsoever so 99 percent of the time in my opinion you're going to lose so always cross-examine the social worker and present other evidence remember the social worker turned in a big fat report you've turned in nothing So if you expect to win, make sure you have some witnesses and some documents and some pictures and some videos so that you can build a case and show the court that what the social worker is saying isn't true. All right. Now, if it's true, then there's nothing you can do. All right. If it's true. But many times people come to me and I'd say eight or nine times out of ten, Mr. Davis, this isn't true. And after talking to them, you know, I kind of size it up, you know, for myself after 31 years as an attorney. And almost always, you know, if someone tells me it's not true, I believe it. They're my client. I believe that they would not lie to me. All right. So you're probably watching this video because you have a CPS case or you know someone that does have a CPS case. Um, Check out my resources fightchildprotectiveservices.com my my website fightchildprotectiveservices.com or check me out on youtube uh, just type in my name at the youtube search bar and you'll come up with videos that you can watch that may help you or at least may help you start a conversation with your lawyer in terms of trying to win your ki- your case and get your children back you can also give me a call because i answer questions like these every day at 888 6582 888-888-6582. Look, I want everyone to have a good day and we'll see you this evening on the office hours.